everybody. Welcome to the Atalanta Pod, Season 5, Episode 7. I'm Dan from Atalanta, Vegas. And with me, as per tradition, is Nick from Atalanta Passion. Just a couple hours after that thrilling Udinese-Atalanta match. Sorry, listeners, we didn't do a midweek one. Life got in the way. So we will cover Fiorentina briefly. Of course, we'll talk about Udinese. And then we have Sassuolo coming up uh, on the weekend as well. But Nick... Before we go into that, hopefully your week at work wasn't as crazy as mine was. It was not as difficult. The uh, It's golden week in China, for those who know what that is. And all our counterparts were off, so I had like a quasi-vacation along with them. So that was Fantastic. nice. Fantastic. But uh, yeah. That's that's great. It's, it's, it's always, uh, it's actually the opposite for me in that it gets worse when uh, my counterparts in Sweden all take the month of August off because if I need anything from anybody in Sweden, everybody yeah. is gone in August. Like, right. yep. I mean, listen, if it if the sun sets at like 11 a.m. Uh, in the winter, like, okay, take the whole month of August out when you have we have the sun out. So go for it, guys. Go for yep. it. But yep. that's good. I'm glad you had that. And I'm also glad that... Uh, you know, we talked about last uh, last week that we had a rough stretch of eight games leading into the World Cup, but so far in two games, four points, and uh, I think we're actually, you know, pretty good for it and, and improving as we go, because that Fiorentina match was another one niller um, yep. in our string of one nillers, Nick, and I, I just want to go over our lineup first because I kind of just want to see if if it made sense to you. Of course, we had Sporty and Goal. Back three, Scalvini, Ocoli, Toloi. The three Dutch in the midfield with Hatibor, Darun, Copminers, and Sapi on the other side. Ederson at Trequartista with, it looked like probably Muriel and Lukman leading the lines. Nick, with the benefit of hindsight, we know that this Muriel-Lukman thing is now two games deep, and it's a thing, uh, I, I want to call it. Yeah. But with that starting yeah. lineup, any surprises for you against Fiorentina? I think the only surprise is them are all not starting. And yeah. I think there was probably maybe a lingering injury or a knock from, from the international break. And maybe that's why he didn't start. He did, he did come on. Yes. But I, th- I think that's the only surprise. Like I, <laughs> it's funny. Like a month ago, we were in this debate. I like, back four, back three, back four, back three. What are we going to do? And I think we're back to the back three. Yeah. I don't think there's really any back four experimentation really going on anymore with this team. So I think beyond that, I think with that set in stone, there's nothing really too surprising you would see yeah. here. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, unfortunately, of course, the worst thing that came out of this match, even though we got a win, was Rafa Toloi coming off injured. And that's why Mary oh. Demerol came in. I feel like this has probably been some of the best performances this year from Rafa Toloi. And so it just sucks that he just can't seem to shake off his injuries from last year. So... That's a shame. But, you know, we showed massive improvements in this. Of course, Fiorentina had had more, more of the possession, but it feels like we're coming into our our game, uh, this kind of lower block sitting back and hitting quickly. Um, you know, we only had 38% possession, but really Fiorentina didn't really offer too much going forward, uh, unlike Roma the match before. Yeah. Was this just a case that Fiorentina wasn't as good as Roma? Yeah, I, th- I think it's that. I was thinking about it a little too. And I think we can talk about it in the Udinese match as well because even though we sat back, I think Udinese's attack, once they got going, is a lot more dangerous than Fiorentina's mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. 
And maybe it's something where squads like Udinese, like Roma, who set up more for a quick hit and a counterattacking style can take advantage if our positioning isn't 100% right away. But Fiorentina, which is all about ball domination, ball possession, they'll more the more pass you to death mm -hmm. to try to get that goal. If we're set up and we're not really worried about guys breaking on streaking runs and stuff like that, I think it it fits it fits more into the defensive system that Gasparini tries to employ. And I, I I think that that that's what I'm coming to the conclusion is the difference we saw in all these three games. Why why it seemed like we were able to stifle Fiorentina so much more. And like you said too, I think Roma's attack is just better as well. And obviously, you have higher quality guys performing like yeah. this. It it makes it makes it seem more dangerous at the same time. But I think the tactics of the opposition does have a lot to do with it. The other question that I have for you, Nick, because I agree with you, is how many midfielders does Fiorentina have? I swear to God, they have like so <laughs> many midfielders, and I can't. Saponara and Amrabat look exactly the same. They were on the field. They, they were just playing parent trap the whole match, just yeah. going in and out, getting. Subs on the fly, right? They have to have 11 midfielders uh, on that squad. Because if you think mm -hmm. about it, too, like even Castrovilli was out. Like, yeah. it, it, it was insane. We also, it, it, Sotil was, didn't play uh, either for, for Fiorentina. So I think that we um, we kind of dodged that bullet. And we dodged Nico Gonzalez not playing Nico probably more, more than Sotil even. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, those, those guys are, are, are very skillful and, uh, you know, have a lot of pace. But, you know, let's... Uh, Let's take the one nil win. Um, let's take the improvement in the play that I think extended into this match uh, against Udinese. But, uh, you know, let's just talk a little bit about the goal um, from uh, Adamola Lookman because, you know, I had, call, I had said, you know, my prediction was that Lucho was going to start and he did um, instead of Rasmus Hoyland. And it really was kind of like Lucho's coming out party. Uh, against Fiorentina because great movement on the byline. He was very mobile and he had an excellent pass, of course, to Hoyland at the far post. To put at the far pretty, post. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, pretty easy, easy put away. Um, they seem to have a, a really, really good connection. But Nick, Lucho still at this point hadn't scored. I think that was his first, potentially his first offensive contribution all season. I believe so, yeah. Uh, was that Was that assist. Oh my God! If we can get him started, uh, this would be amazing to have to have Luis Moriel back. Is he back? I I'm, I'm not going to say yet. It's funny. In my write up, I wrote he's he's not cooking. He's not on fire yet, but he has the olive oil in the pot. I think <laughs> I think I think we're really close. And especially if he's if he's has a partner that he can link up with that he know if they're on the same wavelength that like he's done against two strong defenses so far. Yeah. Sassuolo might be an easier opponent for him to even cook a little more. So yeah. I, I think we're close. I think we're really close to him breaking out. If he can break out and put on a great stretch of games over how we have like six more left before World Cup, that will be sorely needed and much welcomed, I believe. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I honestly think that a, a fit and firing Luis Moriel for this system is is almost better than than uh Duban Zapata mm. you know like and, and I know like I I have so many questions about Duban Zapata and it almost feels like a heresy coming out of my mouth um but we've we've done a lot of good with Duvan out and of course he can only make us better unless 
he's out there and the guys instead of the guys who have done all this work, I think I, I think is the problem. And we'll probably discuss a little bit more about that later. But I honestly think a, a fit and form Lucho is the key to us surviving this this eight game stretch and thriving uh, before the World Cup break. What are your thoughts? Definitely. Because I, I honestly kind of forgot about Zapata a little bit. <laughs> he's, been, he's been out since September 1st, yeah. right? It's been, yeah. it's been a month. And, and, and even with all the other injuries, it, it's just felt like the injuries have happened, but it's been next man up so much this year. And there's this quality depth that you can really count on. And then you don't really think about it. And I think it's a testament to the way Hoyland played and the way Lookman's played that I kind of forgot about Zapata, but I do agree. It's, it's more difficult to understand how Zapata would fit into a system like this. Hence, if Muriel can get going with his ability to run onto these long balls at cook minus whoever cooks to him or whoever kicks to him, he can just do a lot of damage with it, especially with his distribution uh, more so than his actual scoring if it comes to it. Yeah, probably one of the best things about Luis Muriel and, of course, Adam Lookman, uh, you know, kind of really being consistent is that we don't have to rush Duvon Zapata back. And because we also yeah. have Rasmus Hoyland, who can come in uh, and be a great he, – he was great, actually, when he when he came in uh, against Fiorentina to hold up the ball. Um, you know, he was great against Udinese. Unfortunately, that didn't pan out perfectly for us. But, you know, you're right. It's like the next the next person steps up every single time. And it's, it's almost like you forget how many people we have out actually yeah um so very very interesting but uh you know you you talked about it in the notes when, when we were just going to talk about Fiorentina and, and, and we hadn't uh you know we hadn't had the Udinese game yet but the Ronin Cope Miners along with Hulmund from Lecce were the only midfielders to complete 100 percent uh starting to complete 100 percent of the minutes for their teams mm-hmm. Hulmund got a red card today so you know, as important as the attack has been, it's got to be the consistency of Darun and Cope Miners that is is one going to be one of the keys to us going forward. Yeah, definitely, and especially with it seeming like Ederson's not going to drop back in central midfield and mm-hmm. act as like that third midfielder, especially with Toloy out, and we don't. <clears throat> I don't really remember what Jim Sifty's timetable is. You can't really count on Scalvini to play in the midfield either. So it really is just those two guys right now. Yeah, and I, I, I guess they can have others. Ederson pop back into the midfield if they really need to, but they've they've just been the pulse of the team. I think that's just carried carried us to second place so far. Yeah. And especially, obviously, Cope Myers, we know everything, all the accolades he deserves, but Darun, he can't be underestimated. Uh, what what he's really done, just being so constant and consistent in the middle. If you'd have told me that after nine matches, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit to Udinese, after nine matches, that Hans Hattabor would get a yellow card accumulation suspension before Martin. <laughs> before Darun, yeah. I would have been like, what are you yep. talking about? But uh, I mean, that's kind of testament too, you know, because Martin has has been the garbage man, you know, uh, quite and playing quite deep. Especially while we're getting used to this system, and you know he's not he's he's not getting the the yellow cards that we're so used to him getting. Mm-hmm. So fantastic work by our two Ironmen uh, in in the midfield. Nick, to close this one out, um, who was your man of the match? Was it Lookman or was it Lucho for the Fiorentina match? For Fiorentina, yeah. Oh no, I just closed my tab. Uh, I had Muriel. Oh. I was debating who I wanted to have. Like I thought it was really close. And I ended up going with Muriel. 
at the end because that goal is like I think we could have scored that goal kind of kind of thing. But but we wouldn't have been able to get in the position looking did. So all all the credit in the world to him to be in the right position. But I think Mur- Muriel was just coming out the beginning of his coming out party and he was going up against Quarta, Martinez Quarta the whole yeah. match. Um so he had a pretty difficult assignment there. So it was it was him for me. Not to mention <clears throat> the man, the mountain that is Igor, Igor. on the yeah. on the other side. Yeah, you know, sometimes I there, you know, when you look at certain players, you know, there's a type of of, of a footballer, and um, you know, Igor is one of those that this does not look like a typical footballer. He looks more like a you know like a bodybuilder. He's, he's a like, rugby guy. He looks like a rugby a, guy. Yeah. 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 The other the other guy who is so big to be a midfielder is Udinese's uh, Wallace. I yeah. feel like he he should be a center back. Mm-hmm. Um, more than anything else but uh i digress that match was gasparini's 299th as atalanta coach and i guess udinese had his 300th 300. this is the match that we were all waiting for right you have udinese team on a roll under andrea sotil six mm-hmm. straight wins demolished roma uh 4-1 at home all of a sudden, there's people in the seats at the Dacha Arena. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, I think this was definitely the match of the weekend. Forget about Milan Juve. Yep. Right? This was yep. the match that everybody wanted to see. Ultimately, it lived up to the hype, I think. I tweeted before the match started, I have no idea how this game is going to go. But in looking back on it, it pretty much went exactly how it's supposed to go based mm-hmm. on the performances other than the two teams not winning uh, other than it being a draw which has been kind of rare for the two clubs nick everything that happened in this match yeah we dropped three points uh we we, we couldn't hold on to the league i'm not mad this game was fun this game it was, was a, really fun it was an awesome game 100 percent agree we talked before i wish it was the prime time game and it, it was on a little later at night um Second and third place team, or first and third at the time, place teams in the league. Pro- the queen, it's a, the provincial derby, right? Queens, well, well, they're the queens, queens of the yeah. provinces. Yeah. And the fact that they're doing so well, especially Udinese, we're used to it with Atalanta, obviously, but you you can't you can't dislike Udinese. I think it's really difficult it's really unless hard. you have some personal vendetta for some weird reason against one of the players yeah. or Sotil or something like that. Uh, so you you can't not be happy. For seeing another team there duking it out, and heck, the the performance they put on against each other was just a testament to what these two teams have been able to do so far this year. And Atalanta, of course, the past couple of years, and I'm happy it lived up to everything that we thought it would be. And it was out, the, it was the game of the season from a viewership standpoint. I think for Atalanta so far this year, what one hundred percent. And you know, for me personally, with Jens Trigger Larson gone and Ram Neutink <laughs> not getting any minutes. There was nobody to hate on yep. that on that Udinese side. <laughs> Speaking of their center backs, though, I I want to say that I don't know if it's because he re- he looks like uh, like him, but I feel like Nevan Perez is the new um, uh, God. What's his face? Spurs was with, with us. Why am I blanking? Oh, R- Romero, Christian Romero. Romero. I feel like yeah. he's the new Christian Romero. There's something about him that kind of reminds me of Christian Romero when he was at Genoa. Huh. Um, he's okay. somebody to, and of course he scored the, the, the tying goal against us. Um, I'm glad I didn't sing his praises on Twitter before that happened. Yes. I, I would have felt like that was my fault. You were the guilty party then. I, yeah. I, I was the guilty party, but 
you know, let's talk about our starting lineup again, a, a, a three, four, one, two, obviously we, we don't have Rafa in this. So Mara starts in the middle with Ocoli on the right and Scalvini on the left sporty in goal. Of course, Mela starts at left wing back with our iron men in the middle and Hans Hattibor on the right. Mario Pasolic starts in the Trecortisa spot with, of course, Muriel and Lookman up top again. Thoughts on this? Um, I'm trying to. I think I, I may have called this straight on, except for Pasolic over mm. Ederson. Yep. It's not that difficult. I think at this point we're we're kind of stuck with who, who we're going to get uh, mm-hmm. for the first seven at the back. And we'll get into it, but the Postlich one was the confusing one, I think, just because he, this feels like a, a I think every game feels like a good Ederson game because I'm, I just, I feel I'm so high on him. But I think that was really the only surprise, not seeing Ederson slotted into that Trequartista role. Yeah, I, I honestly felt like I could understand why uh, Gasparini put Postlich in. Uh, you know, one of the things with Udinese for me is that midfield is so strong. It's not just Wallace, it's Makengo, you know, uh, as well. And they're so good at, you know, just tearing it up in the midfield and turning it over. And they have a lot of skill in starting it going the other way. So maybe Pasolich, I don't know, has a little something um, that that Gasparini likes. I I would have been Mm -hmm. fine with Ederson in there, but it definitely didn't pan out. I felt like Mario Pasolich, along with potentially Joachim Mele, were the Definitely the two worst players in in, in the first half. Yeah, um, that was an interesting first half because it was it it was very much of course Udinese had most of the possession, but after the first five minutes, we really went into a period of of kind of like being more dangerous and and mm-hmm. being dominant. And uh, it wasn't even about midfield play. I think Gasparini was talking about how. We needed to hit them quickly. Actually, Martin Darun even quoted that we had to we had to hit them quickly, and we were finding space in the channels and really exposing them. And on top of that, our passing in the midfield was much better than we had seen in in, in the past. So, you know, when we went up one nil, I wasn't surprised actually. Um, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree because it really did feel it, it was weird because I think everything you said is perfect makes perfect sense. It felt like we were, and even though we didn't really get any shots on target or anything, it just yeah. felt like the intent was there to, okay, we're going to try to hold possession of Udinese's half, try to pass the ball around and, and look for an opening and, and get, a, get a shot or a chance that way. And I was surprised to see that with possession, you see possession at halftime, so Udinese possessed the ball for 60% of yeah. the half. It, it didn't feel like that no. because of, of that stretch, I think. Um, yeah. I think part of the problem was Udinese looked – were very dangerous whenever they actually got it on the break or they or we turned it over or, or you know mm-hmm. were careless with the ball it felt like Udinese was more dangerous overall in the scheme of the first half but you know it it, it was a weird first half in that no no, no I, I feel like Atalanta actually controlled that match I felt like Udinese even if they had the ball they did not control that match in the first half we did yeah yeah definitely I agree with that but we got to talk about that goal, Nick, because that that was pretty much straight off of a goal kick. It was passed out um, to Cup Miners on the left hand side, and what what is that? Sixty meter ball, yeah, to right, to Luto, exactly. mm-hmm. and he takes it down perfectly in stride, cuts in, 
and just lays a perfectly weighted pass past Mario Postlich at the near post to Adam Lukman, far post. Almost carbon copy, sort of, uh, of the goal against Fiorentina. Adam Lukman scores at the far post with ease, celebrates normally, and gets a yellow card for Doveri. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Unbelievable, right? I hope they go back and just rescind that yellow card if they can do that. But I just want an apology. I just want an apology from Daniela Doveri to, to, to Adam Lukman because that was just messed up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely. gonna have a. It's gonna make a lot of good memes going forward, though. I have to say, I'm not even mad about it because, yeah, it added to the drama and comedy uh, and entertainment value of the match. Definitely, but it's. I, I remember what, right when that play started, I saw I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Cope Miner's just gliding back towards the corner flag. I wonder yeah. what's gonna happen. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, five seconds later, the ball's in the back of the net, and that's. It's just the way the way we do it sometimes. Now that's the, that's the express train that we have: cut miners to Muriel, to Lookman, or just some variation combination of that. It feels like sometimes, but I think we're used to that. That's like that's how we're going to score now. We're going to get we're going to do something to create like one really really good chance, and hopefully we convert that really good chance, and then maybe something else pops along on the way for us to get another goal or two. Uh, and we play good defense and, and win it out. And it felt like everything was churning in that direction yep. at this point. But, of course, Udinese has other surprises because they, they, they scored the second most goals in the league this year, I think. Yeah. So you know that and all the job's not done yet. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they love to come from behind. I, the, the funny thing about that play was a, a couple of things spring to mind, Nick. Number one, there was definitely foreshadowing because, I don't know, maybe a couple minutes prior to that, Cup Miners put in a, a cross-field ball to, to Lookman that was this close to connecting. It just kind of ran out of bounds. He couldn't quite connect. And I was like, oh, okay. But I feel like when we signed 10 Cup Miners last season, all we would talk about was, oh, can you imagine the, the long balls from Cup Miners to Moriel? And uh, it's taken a while, but we finally are starting to see it in fruition. Um we're starting to play a system where that's working. So, you know, Gasparini definitely, there is a method to his madness because that's, this is, this is really probably the strength of this team. Um, it just takes a while to, you know, to unlearn certain things that, that the system has been learning both for Gasparini and for the players who've been there a while to, to, to say, okay, this is how we play now. This is us. Yep, definitely. But man, I, you know, last season when we were we were hoping for Boga, Cup Miners, they had, there was a little bit of life there. Uh, you know, especially in the Europa League, um, with that with that connection between the two, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like now we have a little bit of a trident between Cup Miners, Moriel, and Lookman. Um, so that'll be interesting. I don't want to talk about the attackers just yet because we ended the first half up one 0 I think both of us are feeling pretty good. Honestly, you know, Destiny Udoji was quite quiet, to be honest, during the match. I think Hans did a really, really good job on mm-hmm. him, and so did Scalvini when he was covering. I, the defense in general, I think, did, did a fantastic job in this match. So, you know, we get down on the left-hand side. The cross comes across. I believe, was it Mela who, who ended up uh, making that run potentially, and Lucho grabs the ball, kind of twists into the box past Udoji and Udoji, I don't know what he was doing. That was a really, really dumb tackle. 
penalty. I'm not looking when when he's taking this. He scores. It's 2-0. Honestly, I felt better at 1-0. I, I was going to say the exact same thing. I was going to say, I felt better. 2-0 two, two is the most dangerous score yeah. in sports, they say, right? Yeah. And yeah, but that, that goal happened minute 50-something. Yeah. Right? Um, Pretty early in the second half. It's like, okay, now we got to defend for 35 minutes. Ugh. And... And we know, you know, Udinese is just going to throw the kitchen sink at you. It's, it's, it's weird. You wonder what goes through manager's mind sometimes. Like, what's different about two nil versus one nil? Sometimes it just makes you kick it up an extra gear. I, I don't, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing to think about why, be why creating a more difficult lead for yourself to come back from is what it takes to actually go into overdrive the way Udinese did. And I think that's all. All, all, all to say, I felt better at one 0 because the game felt in control. Yeah, that way we, 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 it was, it was more like the first half where it just felt like maybe we're not possessing the ball, we're not stringing fifteen passes together or something like that. But uh, Delafeo was under control, Beto was under control. We weren't really letting them do anything. Udinez does this thing, Nick, that um, kind of drives me nuts. Only when we're playing against them, but I find very interesting is that. I feel like their best players are, are sitting on the bench and they come on in the second half, especially the midfielder. So I was, it was actually weird to me that Isaac's success didn't start this match, um, but that Beto started the match. Um, so, you know, and I'm talking about like Arslan, I'm talking about Samardzic uh, coming in. Those guys, uh, honestly, they're, they seem to be the ones who always turn it around. And so it's interesting that Makengo and Lovrich are getting the starts in the midfield and Wallace is always playing like every single second, yeah. but you know, those guys all come in at this point, you know, first, um, first it was, uh, it was Arslan. So Marjorie uh, and Arslan, same, yeah. same time pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh-huh. and then Isaac's success in the 65th minute. Yeah. So I'm already like, okay, here we go. And what ends up happening is you start seeing Gerard de la Feu roaming even more than he did in the first half so he's starting to go deep you mm-hmm. know you know him and Samarzic are like tra- changing positions and I'm thinking to myself oh he's getting too much of the ball at this point like he he's he's the guy the goal comes in around what the 68th minute three minutes after Isaac's success comes on yep Nick that if Beto is on the field I'm gonna ask you right now what do you think and Okoli is there behind him, and Beto is pulling Okoli's shirt as much as 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 much as Isaac's success was, and he goes down. Does Doveri call a foul in that no. in that spot? Absolutely no. not. No, I and uh, I think that's an interesting thing to talk about because Isaac's success is probably the most aggressive forward in Serie A. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's not he's not that skillful. He's Skillful enough to be in Serie A, obviously, but power and strength is what you think of when you think of success. And he was just all up in Nicole's business, mm-hmm. right? I think it, it was, it, I thought it should have been a no call, right? He mm-hmm. didn't go down when he passed that ball off and Cope Miners intercepted it. Um, but I don't think, first of all, I don't think Lookman, I don't, excuse me, I don't think Beto even goes for that duel to yeah. try to like, box him off like he's going for a rebound or something like that. So it probably doesn't even happen because that's just success's game versus Beto's more speed-oriented game. But it changed the game for yeah. them with him just 
duking it out in the box with everybody he could find the body up. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the rest was history and, you know, mm -hmm. you can blame a lot of things for what happened on that. Uh, I don't think you can, you can blame Sportiel at all. I mean, the wall, Pasolich coming off of it, whatever. Brilliant shot from Gerard De La Feu, um, 2 one it's on. I mean, we've, we've already seen this before. We know how this is going to play out. But Nick, something happened in the Uden, in the Fiorentina match that happened again in the Udinese match. And I want to talk a little bit about it because Lucho and Lukman get subbed out at the same yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that definitely almost like took it out of us against Fiorentina. It seemed like we had less of a threat. And again, in Udinese, against Udinese, Lucho and Lukman come out for Malinovsky and Hoyland. And while Hoyland is holding up the ball well, there doesn't seem to be the same kind of stretching threat. So, you know, now it's 2-1. And of course, this is exactly what Udinese does. Udinese doesn't even know how to play when they're ahead. They don't, they don't, they're just chasing. Oh, comeback right? kids, yeah. Yeah, they're the comeback kids. They were us from a few seasons ago. Right. So now we're firmly in their, it, it, you know, in their wheelhouse. And we really just don't have a threat other than Hoyland, you know, trying to hold the ball up on the other end. And we bring Sapi in, who, who's a, a little bit more, you know, offensive minded. But was that the mistake for Gasparini? I think so. I thought it was a mistake last game, too. I think, I think I wrote about it in the Fiorentina match. And it's a pretty big portion of my write up. This yeah. week, I'm like that. Like it's, we just saw what Muriel did. He 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 was he was he was running, he was running over everybody. He was running yeah. past everybody on Udinese's defense there. And I think they they get maybe they don't get another goal. They get they get more good opportunities to score. I think if those two stay on, still, and Malinowski's definitely not in his best form right now, and using Hoyland as a target man to body up um, uh, Bijol in the middle or something like that. It wasn't the best use. Like you go use his speed, you have him go run out into the channel yeah. too and, and do similar things that Muriel was doing. If you're going to try something and it felt like I, so we get to make five substitutions, obviously. Right. Yeah. We can't really make any substitutions at the back. Mm -hmm. We can't make substitutions in midfield. We, and we still did actually. Mm -hmm. We both got Ruggieri in. We reached a point where we're bringing Ruggieri in. But it, it almost feels like we're making – he's making substitutes just because there's five available to mm. make. I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that's true, but it felt like he, he was he was opting more for fresh legs versus what was, has been affected this entire game. Yeah. And I think – I don't know if it dropped in the two points, but it I think it would have been completely different. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it would definitely would have been something to think about because if you, you know, and I know that it came about as a, you know, as a result of kind of like a broken uh, set play, I, be, I believe from a corner that Udinese got their tying goal from Neuen Perez, but like Udinese was just able to pilot forward. They, yeah, they, they, like, they really weren't worried about it. Exactly. Like Abbasse is making forward runs. Like yep. Noam Perez is making forward. But like they just like, oh, there's no attack coming the other way. So we yep. can just throw the kitchen sink offensively. But if Muriel's in the game, it's like, oh, I got to 
I got to wait back. I, I don't know what, what sort of counter is going to come. So it, it just, it forces Udinese to be more tentative. I think sure. if they're on the field, even if they don't, if, even if they don't do anything anymore. Yeah. To me, the better move is maybe not put Malinowski on and put Bogon. Put Bogon, put Ederson on in this place. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And Ederson, of course, did come in to replace Mario Pasolic, but honestly didn't offer too much. I think, I think Ederson maybe this might be a better rotation fit for the midfield, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think we I think we need to have a conversation about where some of these players go now that the system is going the way that it is. Yeah. And we're seeing who fits and who doesn't. Um Boga 20 million sitting on the bench um <laughs> right. kind of is kind of hurting me right now. Um, uh-huh. you know, and of course I was a big fan of Jeremy Boga. Maybe his coming out party will be next weekend against uh, Sassuolo, his old club. Or somewhere um, in January when he's playing yeah. with a different team. I hope not, but oh. maybe it comes to that. Yeah, I mean, shoot. Maybe maybe um, uh, Lester comes back because they need something. Poor Lester is just dying over there. Just send to Castagna back. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah exactly. Send, are, they still bo- are they still bottom of the league? Uh, if if they're Misha? not, they're close. Brendan uh, Rogers, nineteenth, right behind good old Ramo for other oh, tie with Ramo and Nottingham at four points. So, Ramo, you can come uh, back too when you yeah. when you're done with your. Just, just aside, now this feels like Martin Darun version Martin two point right? Yeah, yeah. Except <laughs> except we're not paying thirteen point five million for Ramo yeah. to come back. Exactly. Yeah, I would I would pay twenty five million for Ramo to come back. I don't care. I would lose money on that deal. On the side, well, well, what would you pay? Like. What's a realistic number you think? Fifteen. Yeah, I would, I, pay, I would 15, pay. I would pay fifteen million for. I'd pay twelve million. to fifteen. I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. I, I would just. I would if they if they said you could have them for eight, I'd be like, here's fifteen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh. and forces and like they're just minus fifteen goal differential. Like they're just not. Yeah. Like they're just not competitive. So, they, maybe there is some. Maybe he he does come back. That would be nice. Oh, but two two, um, we we held out. We definitely could have lost that match, Nick. So I, that I think Arsenal chance right in like yeah, the ninety third minute, yeah, yeah. At, the, at the very end there. So mm-hmm. it's not Roma, like you know, take the points and run. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was like okay, you know, maybe if we'd have lost, I wouldn't have like said that that was unfair. I think a draw is is the best uh, the best result. Um, on on the run of play, um, us winning that at the end would have been take the take the two points and run though. I I think to be honest with you, and you know, um, yeah, Udinese's coach said said as much, and I don't I don't disagree with him. Like they definitely had a chance to take all three points. Um, Mm -hmm. so what are you what are you gonna do? But Nick, here's the deal, right? We're nine games in, so almost a quarter of of, of the of the way through the season, right? We are in second place alone. We st- we are tied with the best defense, and Lazio still has to go uh, tomorrow. So you know, if Fiorentina scores against them, we have the best defense. We're you know we're in the top half when it comes to our our offense. We are unbeaten, and we have never been behind. Yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> unbelievable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I ask you a um, a provocative question? Let's hear it. Yeah. 
who do you think is going to blow it sooner or harder us or Udinese who has the better chance of, of, of just in the second half, like losing their momentum. Oh, in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I think history would point to Udinese. Yep. Like, like just because of what Atalanta has done, you would probably give them the, the benefit of the doubt to continue it up. And I, I keep going back. Remember when Stasuolo started really hot like yes. three years ago? They were second in the league after eight games, I think. And then right before New Year's, they were down like eighth or ninth place already. I, I don't think this is the same thing necessarily where they're just going to drop down to the mid-table so abruptly right before the World Cup or anything like that. But I think keep that in perspective a little bit, I mm-hmm. think, maybe. Because we're only a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah. Um, and I think there's just more. But at the same time, they've also beat all these really good teams, too. They beat Roma. They beat Inter, Fiorentina. Yeah. They beat Lazio next week. It's a different story, I think. But I, I, I still would imagine that you could see in, in March, Atalanta duking it out for the Champions League positions, more so than Udinese. Although, I'll caveat that by saying I think both teams are still going to be there duking it out once March, April comes around. Still, yep. just from what we've seen for both of these teams so far. Yeah, I mean, if we're over-celebrating, which we are not, somebody can always come up to us and say, hey, act like you've been here before. And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. If Udinese is celebrating and somebody says, hey, act like you've been here before, none of them have. Yeah. So, so you're, you're absolutely right with that. But you talk about Sassuolo, Nick, and, and I, you know, are, are we ready to move on to, 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 to next week or do you have anything to say yeah. left about Udinese? Um, I don't think. We, we want to do match ratings or do we want to... Oh, I just... Can... Everybody gets a, to me. Everybody gets a seven except for Mela and uh, Malinowski. And Pasolich. And Pasolich. So I gave Pasolich, like I gave everyone pretty much a six and a half, seven. Mm-hmm. I gave Mela a six. I gave Pasolich a five and a half. Um, so yeah, pretty much what you said. And then yeah. Muriel was my man of the match. I gave him a seven and a half. Yeah. So well, we can end with that. Yeah. What does Doveri get? Four and a half. Four and a half. It's weird though. I, I appreciate the way he tried to keep the match moving. Yes. And then, of course, the one time where he didn't keep the match moving is where it benefited Udinese a lot with the De La Feo free kick. But it's it's just it's just really funny that uh, with the whole yellow card for Lookman and his celebration, and Pedri celebrated the exact same way today. Oh yeah, his goal his, yeah. for Barcelona, and I'm like, and Pedri doesn't I, translate to anything. So yeah, I know it, it was <laughs> right. funny because you know. Um, you could see Gasparini talking to whether it was the fourth official or Javeri, I can't remember, but he was like, he wasn't putting his hand over his ear. He's putting his hands over his eyes. That's his name, you know? Yeah. And now mm-hmm. we got a shot of, of Gasparini doing that, which will be entertaining us for weeks on end. Yeah. I think for this also meme worthy for sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and of course, uh, probably the worst thing to come out of this uh, was that, it's funny that it's actually a bad thing now that Hans Hattibor is going to miss the Sassuolo match. Thing. I know. Crazy. Yep. <laughs> is it four yellow cards or five? That gets I think it's suspension. five. I want to say it's five. Got five and nine matches. Yeah. I don't even think he's played every match. So pretty impressive. But he's yeah. racked he, up like he, that. He was really good defensively again, I, I, I feel like, in this match. He's up against Destiny Udoji, and I think mm-hmm. he did a really, really good job. So. He had and he put a really nice cross in that Hoyland just did. was a little too short for. Yeah. And he even had a little shot with this like fancy little cutback that he did mm-hmm. in, in in the in, in the beginning of the second half and just kind of missed it with his left foot. 
I I don't know. Maybe maybe the patience is paying off with with him. He had a couple of r- yeah. bursting runs uh, from the midfield as well. Maybe mm-hmm. Hans Hattibor is back. Second legs, maybe. Hmm? He's 28. It yeah. feels like he's 35 sometimes, <laughs> right? But he's he he he's not like he's at, he's like at his peak, right? So yeah. I, I think foot injuries are, are tough, probably to come back from. So yeah. I think we we haven't seen the end of Hans as much as. And we'll we'll eat our words, right? We've been we've been dogging him a lot, yeah. The last year, I think, and maybe rightfully so sometimes, but now we we have to employ a little patience, I think, sometimes with these I, guys. I will eat all my words mm-hmm. with Hans Hatibor. I I don't care. Like it, uh, a strong Hans is a strong Atalanta, so um, yeah, you know we need that. But so Swolo is really interesting coming up, Nick. Because you actually picked them as as a potential contender at the beginning of the season for European yeah. football, yeah. and I, I don't disagree with you. To be honest, they they actually have had a couple of really really great performances. That five niller last week against Salernitana uh, was was pretty interesting. I believe that was last weekend. Yeah, and um, you know they seem to be just carrying it on under Dionisi, kind of what Deserbi mm-hmm. started. They've lost yeah. quite a few players. Of course, they lost Raspadori and Skamaka. Um, you know, from last season, but they put together some really, really great matches. This is not a team historically that has posed any problems for us. To be yeah. to be honest, we have yep. probably scored more goals against them in the past five years than any other team. Um, you know, it's like we they let us use their house and we just destroy them. Thanks, um, guys. Yep. <laughs> you know, is is it going to be any different? Do you think this time around? Um. Well, it's fine. I think the last time we lo- we've played, I think in the Gasparini era, I think the only time we lost them was the last match. Yeah, I'm not positive of that. I have to go back and double check before I write my preview. But like you said, it's it's a team we've owned. They play the same way, even though mm-hmm. this Arabi is not really there. Dionysi, like, like you said, is very similar, and. You would think it would be business as usual, but we don't really know how the style of Atalanta yeah. is going to play up against them. Because before it was easy. It's like force them to play out of the back. We'll press them really hard, force them in just, just enough mistakes. You get your, your chances on goal. It's like, well, this time around, we'll just have Maxime Lopez and David Fortesi in the middle, mm-hmm. passing it around, trying to beat our defense. And then hopefully we hit them on the break. So it makes it a little more interesting this time to figure out how that matches up. I think it still makes sense that Atalanta is able to to have the advantage over them just because they've had the advantage over teams that are probably better accessible, like Fiorentina and Udinese at this point. But I think it's a different look we're going to see. And um, not going to be – obviously, none of our games are like that now, but it's not going to be – it can't shape up to be like a 4-1-5-2 kind of drubbing that we're used to when we play them. Yeah, I mean, I- I'm not sure. Um I think that we actually might have a double threat now uh, against them because I think the Cispolo team, if they decide that they're going to fly up the wings with with Rogerio and, and Jeremy Tolian and start pressing us deep, I feel like now we have the ability to hit them quicker than we have in the past. And instead of yeah. instead of just suffocating them in their own half, uh, we're gonna we're gonna suffocate them in our half too. I feel like we have a dual threat. I, to me, that's the next progression about the Lanta. Can we play the old style and the new style? And can, can mm-hmm. we have the best in one game, depending on the situation, right? Um, 
assuming that that Duvan isn't going to come back and that Deloy is still out, um, starting eleven, do you think? Yeah, I think it's probably the same we saw today, except instead of Hatabor, we see Sapi. I guess Sapi's next guy up and Zortea's fourth rotation right now. Yeah. I, I don't see. No, I'll take that back. I don't want to see Pasolic start. I would, I would rather, I'd rather see. A, I don't know. I'd rather see Ederson. Maybe this is a Malinowski game too. I don't think Sassuolo will will try to breathe down our back as much as Udinese did in that second half with just pestering pressing and. That really bothered Malinowski in this match. So maybe mm-hmm. this is one here you can do a little more. But I, I you know, I'll, I'll just say it because it, I, I said too much. So Sportiello, Ocoli, Demaral, Scavini, Darun, Cote Miners, Sapi, Mele, Ederson, Lookman, Muriel. I think that's what you have to go with at this point. I don't disagree with this in one of those. I think that's exactly what we'll see. Um, it would be interesting though, and maybe this is a good a good place to have the conversation of can can Boga play instead of you know can we play with a front three? Um, you know, I, I feel like if there's one game that can launch Jeremy Boga, it's against Asuolo. Um, romantically speaking, tactically, I don't know. Maybe I think so. Maybe they'll leave him a lot of room. I feel like that's a possibility, especially if he's kind of on the the left-hand side there because, uh, you know, Jeremy Tolian likes to push forward. There's going to be space uh, behind him. You know, I I want to see Jeremy Boga in the starting 11. Yeah, that would be nice, right? Put Muriel, Boga. And Lookman. Lookman. Yeah, you could still do that, right? 3-4-3. And because who knows? Who knows what the deal is with why he doesn't play? It feels like Gasparini can be super spiteful sometimes, and I'm just not going to play him out of spite if there was some sort of uh, altercation between them or something or a disagreement. But I think this, this is a game that could be a coming out party. Again, his old club for, and the defensive frailties that sometimes Sassuolo is known is known for. I think he he could he could really get going in this match if need be. Um, I just don't see it. Though I don't think they would play him yet, unfortunately. But I'd like to see it sooner rather than later. At this point, who do you think we have to worry about? You know, Berardi's still going to be out, I believe, for Sassuolo. So, who's who's your guy to watch out for, or what what do we need to watch out for for the Sassuolo club? So Maxim Lopez, right? He's like he's the he's the string he's the metronome he's the string puller for them. Got it. He's like. He's like Labatka, right? Stanislav Labatka in the middle for them, and maybe he's even better than Labatka. I don't, I don't know necessarily, but him, I wouldn't necessarily say that. But he's he's really good. I think. I don't I think know. I think, I think if you I think throw he's underrated, I think for Lopez and that Napoli team instead of Labatka, he's probably has some, he could probably be unleashed further. I don't know. I'm just saying that's a, that's that, a but, really good shout. That's a good mm-hmm. shout. Uh, I'm not hating on Labatka. I think he's excellent too. Um, so don't take it that way. I guess, but. I like well. Their midfield is good. Protesi is good. We know what he does. But mm-hmm. Christian Thorsved, I remember, he just came over from Gank, and I, I watched back in the day. I'd watch Gank games every now and then because they had three Colombians in the defense, um, and he he was always really really strong in their attack, just being you know doing everything you want from an attacking midfielder. He 
finally gotten the score sheet for them. He's in, he's in their starting 11 now. He's he's taking that role and run with it. So I, I'd watch out for Christian Thorsfeld as well. Strong, fast, um, much like I, I guess he's he's like what Juricic was a little bit before mm-hmm. he got hurt and, and started not being able to play as much for Sassuolo. But I think he's probably got got more strength than Juricic ever did. So they, they still have a really strong attack. They they find guys out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean they can kid... still keep their their squad afloat. Yeah, this well. kid Armand Loriente with all that pace. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, I, I, I from um, from Ligon team in I don't can't remember which team in France he came from, um, but like just un- unbelievable. They're finding gems. I, I mean, I watched that match against Inter, and I, I felt like you know it kind of sucked. Of course, I was pulling for Sassuolo in that, but there's quite a few guys on this team that I would like. I would not mind having on, on our team. You know, and you know, it actually to me, I think the most underrated player. For Sassuolo is Andrea Consigli, one hundred percent. He's a, he's perfect for their system. He's one hundred percent. I mean, he's honestly he's not the best at distribution, but he's good enough. But he comes up with these saves, and not just because he's a former, he's an ex Atalantino. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's been around forever. Like he must be like fifty six years old. So I don't even remember what life was like pre Andrea Consigli because yeah. he was pre Marco Sportiello at mm-hmm. Atalanta. You know, but Martin Ehrlich too. He's, ser- like, he's Serie B. Yeah. Atalanta, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gianmarco Ferrari. I, I feel like there's so many like players on this Sassuolo team that would actually fit in pretty well um, at this Atalanta squad. I mean, we, we haven't even talked about Pinamonti. I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to be the problem for us. I think Loriente uh, is going to be the guy because of his pace that could potentially, um, you know, make some problems for whoever's at right wing back if that's soppy. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, Nick. We talk about it all the time, about worrying about pace. I don't know if we have to worry about pace on the wings as much as we used to. It's because like the, been pretty the, the, good. Set, the setup's defensive yeah. enough where... Yeah. 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 So yeah, maybe, we don't maybe have to worry about getting caught out yeah. as much anymore. So, I mean, you, you think about, like, who we've played against and, and who's really, really hurt us. And it's just, it's not, they haven't done that on pace. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, maybe maybe the midfield is is the place where we have to worry about. Because I think the jewel, 100%, the, 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 the jewel in the crown right now is is a Maxime Lopez. Uh, everybody on Sassuolo, I feel like, is underrated. But Maxime Lopez, you're right, is, is, is really the, the star. Um, Davide Fratesi, I think, is gets more love than Maxime Lopez simply because he's an Italian. Yeah. I'm going to say it right now. Yep. So. And that's why it's funny. That's why, honestly, that's why Giacomo Raspadori, I think got so much hype too. Yeah. And I think the guys that bring in to replace are probably going to be, they're, they're similar to Raspadori already. Yep. Um, and you know, who's not even played a minute for them this year is junior Traore. Yeah. Like they, they just, they just find guys that can just slot right in. I, I guess he's hurt. Uh, yeah, he broke up. Ooh, broke his foot. That's not good. So hopefully he can, he can come back from that eventually. But yeah, that, there, if there's a guy, if there's a team that's next man up at Sassuolo more than anyone else. Yeah. And they, they're, they're really good at what they do in terms of finding guys. Yep. Absolutely. Into a system. 
Yeah, I, I would love to see as they would get healthier, especially if Berardi comes back and, 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 and Junior comes back, that they would be make a push towards the European spots. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I wouldn't have said it in the beginning of the season that this, but I think they'll finish ahead of Torino uh, in the standings. So yeah, yeah, really, really interesting. I see that, yeah. and yeah, it's probably shaping up. If Sassuolo, Torino, Udinese are all relatively strong, that means a team like one of Fiorentina, basically one of the, the top eight teams from last year, does not finish in the top half of the table, mm-hmm. which is. Which is great, I think. Juventus. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We were all thinking it. <laughs> you said it. No. We know yeah. that's not going to happen, Nick. We're going to get our hopes up, and then they're going to go on a streak of 10 games of winning 1-0. Everybody knows mm-hmm. this. All, all penalties uh, by by Dusan Vlaovic. All penalties are goals in the 98th minute when there's 95 minutes over five minutes of stoppage time, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Allegri granted, they they, they deserve they deserve one to get one back after that Salernitana debacle. Yeah, but that was that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. As much as we liked it, we knew uh, they they deserved a, a little bit back uh, on that mm-hmm. one. But uh, what's your prediction, Nick? I think we win this one though. Yeah, yeah. I I think we win two one. Mm-hmm. I feel that's I feel that's a a healthy Atalanta score line. And I don't think we go behind. I think we, we go up first, they claw one back, then we, we put it away. Muriel stays hot. He gets he gets the first goal, I think. They'll get one from uh from tip I don't even know. Who 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 plays forward for them? I'll just throw a name out. Let's we'll yeah, give him the Loriente. Loriente. We'll give him the Loriente. And I, I think Ederson will finally get his first Atalanta goal in the second yeah. half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I I think we're going to – I'm going to go with the history on this one. I think we're going to yeah. win 5-2. Oof. In Oof. fact, I think I think, we're gonna, party. I think we're going to be up, up 5 nothing, and then they're going to come back and score two, and then we're all going to be like, wait a minute, what's happening here? Yeah. Then, we, then, then we close it out. Um, it's, it's a swallow. We have to score like five or six against them and yeah. let them score a couple, right? We do. Um, you know what this means, you and I's predictions. This means that we're going to win 1-0. Like that's exactly yes. yeah. That's I mean, good old one nil. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, I think Lucho has two goals. I think Lookman has one goal. Uh, Cup Miners with a goal, and Caleb Acoli. Okay, Caleb Acoli gets off the yes. pine. Nice. Yeah, and you're not kidding. So we won six two in twenty eighteen. Three one. So this is a stretch that we we did against them, which is insane. Six two, three one, four one, four one, five one, five straight games, and three nil before that six two. So there was like a, a legitimate stretch of embarrassing score lines, and uh, two draws, or then we drew them. I forget that game. I, I feel I should remember what happened in that game, but I don't. Uh, and then two one when Gosens got his last Atalanta goal last year, and then the loss we lost to them last year. Mm-hmm. when everything was just going downhill already. Yep. Well, historical battle, we've doubled goals. 42 goals and 21 goals in the historical battle in 18 matches, 19 matches. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy, crazy. It should be it should be a fun one to watch. Um, I, you know, I'm being very optimistic with my goal tally, but I, I just want to see some goals, for goodness yeah. sakes. 
Um, I, I want to see us put away a team that I think we can we can we can put away. But mm-hmm. who know who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, in this season, everything's up for grabs. All right, I want to have one conversation with you, Nick. We talked about this briefly before we went on air, and that was what happens when Duvan comes back. Mm-hmm. Who? What is our starting? What is our what is what does our attack look like? Does Duvan regain his spot as first on the on the you know on the manager sheet all the time at, at center forward? First on the list, I I think, yeah, and like you said, I think it looks really interesting because we started the year playing Luis Muriel and Duvan Zapata on the pitch together. Nothing was really working out that well together. Granted, when they were on, but I think with the role, we know what Muriel's objective and role is now fading left, fading to the left flank. He basically becomes the de facto attacking midfielder left winger out on that side. Mm -hmm. You have Duvan in the middle to do things that Duvan usually does. And then Lookman streaking in from the right. And I think that could work really well. Mm -hmm. Um, So all three of them together then. That's what I would like to see. At least try it. I, I think that would probably be the strongest lineup going forward then you have Ederson in the wings and you can have him play central midfielder uh, as as needed and yeah that's what I would go with I I, I 100% agree with you I I can't wait to see it I I know we said that three at the back is the thing now and that's how it's going to be but I think that the best way to have everybody back is to still play four at the back um, because it brings in an extra midfielder. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. It... Playing a four-two-three-one, I I feel like is just the right thing to do given who we have. But I mean, Gasparini had three hundred games and, and brought a lot, brought a lot of uh, joy and victories and one hundred and seventy yeah. or so victories to to Atalanta. So I, I'm not going to say anything, but mm-hmm. I would worry a little bit about the midfield if we are playing a three four three, you know, or a three even if if you want to call it a three four two one because it's not really a three four two one at that point, right? Does does this mean that that you know like yeah. if that comes back, maybe we're not as aggressive at, at wing back, more defensive at wing back. Yeah, because I guess you're you're assuming that like in this game in this like in this game we just played like Pasolich. Mm-hmm. Stays a little further back, yeah, uh, for some defensive support in that regard. Yeah, I see what you, yeah. Who did we play against Fiorentina? Ederson played Fiorentina, yeah. right? He he played that, so yeah, maybe that would be too aggressive offensively. But I think, I think it's worth a shot to try it. And I think Lookman's defensive statistics—he he was he was excellent defensively at Leicester too. So I, if you have him play more drop back to try to help with defense. I don't think you would miss a whole lot. Yeah. I, I just think Lookman is a winger and he pressures as a winger. <clears throat> I don't think you mm-hmm. see the same kind of game with him. If he's in the middle, I'm worried about the middle, right? Cause we know that Duvon doesn't press that much. Yeah. He doesn't press at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you've essentially now lost a, a person who presses. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would love to see that, but I'm going to speak heresy again. Maybe Duvan shouldn't be starting at this point. If we're going with three at the back, Duvan shouldn't be starting. We'll see. Yeah, it's a super interesting way to think about it. 
I think the good thing with everything we have going right now, you we are affording him the opportunity to get 100% healthy and not rush him back. Yeah. Which I think we'd probably rush him back a little too soon last year. Right. And yeah. So good problem to have, though. Right. Very good. It, yeah. it, it's so crazy, like how this season has panned out so far. I feel like there has been so many, like, little micro cosms of this is Atalanta now and it's become this and it's, every game seems to it seems to be a development but I gotta say I feel like we're getting better and better within this new system we're you know gone are the the, the Verona first halves I feel like yeah. we're starting to 100%. you know obviously we're trained yep. to see now like what we're supposed to be seeing and just even to the to the neutrals eye who doesn't mm-hmm. watch Atalanta they're playing much better yeah in this new system yep I 100% agree so that's it's funny. What it's funny. We, have, we have to be trained as fans from what to see. It just, it just sounds funny, but it's, yeah. right, it's right. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have all these preconceived notions. We've been living the high life as, as Atalanta fans. We say, that, you know, Gasparini doesn't have a plan B and he's all attack. It's all attack. And all of a sudden, the, the you know, the uh, the record scratches and stops and like, holy crap, what are we, what are we looking at here? But hey, yep. 20 points undefeated, never been behind. 21 points. 21 points. I'm 21. sorry. You're can't, right. can't sell it short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 21 points. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sole possession of second place. Yeah. I just have to say, God, Napoli is good, though, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> they turned it on instantly. Like I, I texted you right before when it was one. I was like, oh, maybe Cremonese will hold out. Nope. Three goals later. I know. I was like, shut oh. up. Yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll talk and they and they beat Ajax six one in mid. Right? is way better than Ajax. Let me true. tell you, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I I just um you know and this is all without Victor Osman, uh, in the side as well. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I don't know how much better Victor Osman will actually make them than this because everybody else seems to be doing a pretty damn good job. Yep. But it's hard to look past Napoli right now. Yeah, um, they're like fifty percent favorite. To win yeah. the, the league, yeah. I think right now, what I saw on five thirty eight. So, Nick, it's, the, it's their scudetto to lose at this point. Give me, give me, give me your top eight right now, as top you uh, as you think is as of of like teams and how they've been playing in Serie A, like like your um, power mm-hmm. rankings, like a power ranking, not necessarily yeah. how I think the they'll finish at the That's end correct. of the year. That's correct. What's your power okay. rankings right now? So obviously Napoli number one. That's if if you don't have them number one, you're not watching football or you're not watching Serie A enough. Uh, I would say Napoli, Milan, Udinese, us, Lazio, Roma, Inter. I'm not throwing Juventus in there, so I'm going Sassuolo with eight. Yeah, then, nice yeah. one. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's that's pretty close. Although I'm actually much higher on on Napoli. I'm uh, not on Napoli. Uh, on Lazio, mm-hmm. um, I'm actually saying and Udinese as well. I, I think um, it's Napoli right now. I'm saying Udinese at, at number two, Milan three, Lazio four, Atalanta five. Uh, to be honest with you, then Roma. Who am I missing? Inter. Inter. And. Uh, Sassuolo. Sassuolo. Yeah. Either them or Torino. I don't think you can no, have Fior- you can't have Fiorentina either right now. Torino yeah, in power yeah. ranking. Those they're so wasteful. 
I mean, they've lost what, like four, three games in a row. I want to say. Uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. They've, they, um, no, they beat Hellas Verona. No, sorry, they drew against Juve, Juve before. Okay. Oh wait, I'm, I'm going backwards. We beat them. They beat Hellas Verona before they played us. Okay. The thing with Lazio, they did it last year, so I think they can do it again. But I don't know how much like their ex expected goal differential versus goal differential is just so yeah. out of whack. Yeah. Twelve goal differential expected one point five. Yeah. So and they did it last year too. So mm-hmm. and there, there, there's really a thing at, at maybe at this point where and when you have Chiro Mobile who's super clinical, you can definitely outpace your expected goal um, relatively easily when you have a striker that's that, that good. So if they got, but the problem with them is they go as far as Milinkovic Savic and Immobile take them. And so mm-hmm. one of them gets hurt, which they really don't. So it's not really a thing they should have to worry about. Maybe they're not the Bala. They are strong too. Yeah. My thing with them is their defense this season compared to past seasons. Yeah. And they have, goals allowed. Yeah. Right. I mean, who knew Romagnoli was going to be good? Uh, Patrick. Again? Ugh, yeah. yeah. And Patrick, for goodness sakes, uh-huh. what a turnaround, right? You know, uh, it's um, they're 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 definitely a team to uh, to look out for in my book. And then uh, Monza winning three games in a row. What's going they've on won, with that? They've won three in a row under Palladino. So yeah, yeah. yeah we I think I said before the show started that there's very few gimme. There's no yeah. gimme games left in this league anymore. Mm-hmm. Samp, Hellas, Spezia maybe, but Spezia is twelfth too. So it's not like they're 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 doing terrible. So. Bologna maybe right now. Yeah, Bologna maybe Lecce. No, not Lecce. Oh, Empoli. Not Lecce. Maybe Empoli. Yeah. Um, it's a good league. I'm happy. It, it's super competitive. competitive. Super good. The top half, the top ten, very competitive, and even the bottom ten. There's not that much difference between those teams too. So. Very few teams that you would be surprised, I think, to see finish like in the 11 to 12 range. Yeah. Um, that you wouldn't I, have necessarily, that you maybe would have been relegation candidates in your mind earlier. I feel like a lot of the, the, the bottom half teams, um, you know, they, the score lines don't kind of paint the right picture, you know, kind of like with, with the, the Cremonese match today. They yeah. sure, they sure give, give, give the big teams a hard time. Uh, you know, um, and maybe they just can't hang on to the end. You know, who knows? As as a lot of these these lower teams don't have as many players who are going to be playing in the World Cup. You yeah. know, maybe the second half of the season they're going to have more legs potentially to be able to 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 eke out these results. So it should be interesting. I I I couldn't tell you right now who's going down and who's going to be in the top four. Other than yeah. Napoli is going to be in the top four, to be honest yep. with you, and maybe Milan. So. And I think another, yeah, and another interesting thing with that is too, they have, it's a month and a half. And a lot of these team relegation teams, they're, they're like brand new squads. Mm-hmm. So it's another month and a half for them to actually work together and become more cohesive, which they wouldn't have had normally too. So that could be another benefit for them on top of not having guys performing in the World Cup. But we shall see. It'll be fun. It is indeed exciting. We haven't talked about our friends at all this season. I just want to make two notes, uh, Nick. Um, so I don't know how we missed this over the summer, but our friends at Wacker Innsbruck went bankrupt, and they're now in the fourth division. So yeah. mm-hmm. how, how did I How did I miss this? It shows you how, how much I'm following them. Uh, but our friends at third, down in Terni, they're now going to have won four games in a row, and they're now third 
in Serie B. They just beat Palermo yesterday. I believe it was 3-0. Um, so, well, pretty good. Good win. Uh, I think they're ahead of Brescia, who's in fourth. Um, nice. I am really hoping, because last season they started out, this is their first season back in Serie B in a while. They started off very poorly and then started climbing, and now they're starting off quite well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, a little... It would be interesting if both Brescia and Ternana came up. If they both um, came up. Yeah, our, our friends and our, our, and our enemies. Uh, that would be quite something for the Tifosi uh, to have uh, Atalanta-Ternana and Ternana-Atalanta match. Yeah, that would be an awesome four games to have on the calendar next year for sure. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're both tied on 16 points. Ternana yep. ahead with goal differential. Uh, Bari and Regina on 18. So they're only two points off the top too, which is yep. great. Yeah. That we'll be keeping an eye out. Uh, for them we'll check in with our friends more going on in the future yeah for sure um nick anything else no i don't think so i think happy to come away with a point very happy that that game was as exciting as it was just Mm -hmm. as a good showcase of what the league has beyond just the the usual suspects so would have been great to get three but you you had i think three months four months from now you look back on this game once it's not fresh in your mind and you see one point earned at the Dacia and you're happy with that. I I um I don't know. If if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are either an Atalantino or you're a Serie A fan. But if you are not either, mm-hmm. you have got to start watching Serie A because I feel like there's a crescendo happening here. I and mean, of course the Dacia arena was packed. Right. A great atmosphere. Great, great atmosphere. atmosphere. Like almost two thousand Atalanta fans. Even Cremonese's stadium was a sellout. They had, mm-hmm. of course, they had almost 7,000 Neapolitans come all the way up from Campania to Cremona. Um, something's, I feel like something's happening in Serie A, and it's like all the teams are packing stadiums except for Juventus, and I am so <laughs> for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because they're like good-sized stadium. Like, yeah. Dacia is 25,000. Yeah. Oasis is like 21, 22. Yeah. Like, they, the stadiums feel alive when yeah. there's, there's not half the stadium empty yeah kind of deal and i think it really adds a lot to it and and and, and also if you don't watch Serie A, i would obviously like non-serie fans right now to become atalanta fans but if you want a different team go follow udinese that's a yeah. i think a really good team to follow too yeah follow udinese follow sassuolo i mean Serie Serie A is is very it, it is to me a fascinating uh league i mean the fact that under the same coach after five years of success a team like Atalanta can do a complete 180 in in the way that they play and be successful at it is just I, I can't can you imagine if if Man City under Guardiola decided that they were <laughs> yeah. they were just gonna you know sit deep and I, I know it's, it's, Mourinho it's levels, Chelsea right? kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Be like, just to show he could do it yeah kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. I, I I just it's it's really interesting and of course I'm always going to be an evangelist for my favorite league. Even when it's crap, it's exciting. So, mm-hmm. but uh, the people it's not are crap right now, though. It's yeah. definitely not crap right now, except for Juventus, and it's the best thing ever. And they're going to one nil their way into the Champions League. I just know it. But uh, again, you know, you have teams that are not playing in Europe like us, like Udinese, who are having a. Let's face it. Of course, we'd rather be playing in Europe, but we'll take the fact that, uh, you know, maybe teams are a little bit tired and I, I think that's helping the lower teams as well. Yeah. Uh, in, in these definitely. games. 
Definitely. Yeah. Ultimately, I think quality will shine, and I don't necessarily think that we're going to have an insane shakeup, with the exception of potentially one or two of, of the teams that are doing well right now, sneaking into the top eight. Mm-hmm. All right, Nick. We'll let everybody know where they can find you and read your good stuff. Yes, so at thontapassione.com. Uh, match reviews up. So go check it out. Yep. Of course, you can follow me at Atalanta underscore Vegas. You can follow the pod at Atalanta pod and you're listening to us. So you know where you can find us. For myself and Nick, Forza Atalanta Sempre.